Good evening. It's good to be here again, Saturday evening. Seems like we're coming to the end of the long haul. <laughs> and it's good to be in the house of God again. You know, it's, uh, this, even, this week we're getting loaded up. <laughs> you know, last year a year, right? <laughs> last year till next revival meetings. So, yeah, well, we bring you greetings in the name of Jesus tonight, our Savior, our Lord, the one who gives us the power to live our Christian lives, that resurrection power. And tonight we're going to look at a subject that is a subject where we need that power, and that is in our thought life. And we're looking at the subject tonight of bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And you can turn to 2 Corinthians 10, where that is found, and we'll read the text here. You know, our thought life is is very, very important. You know, a lot of times we look at what people do. Well, we have to realize that before the people do, the people think. <laughs> and so that's what we want to look at tonight, the doing and the, and the thinking. And I have some diagrams later I'll draw up here to kind of show how that works. 2 Corinthians 10, let's read the first six verses. It says, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ." and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, I think that passage is one of the harder ones to understand in King James Version in the, in the New Testament. What is Paul talking about here? I'm going to read it in the, the NIV, and you, the, it'll clear right up for you. In the NIV, it reads this way, By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you went away. I beg you that when I come, I may, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. And so what is going on here is that people are accusing Paul of walking in the flesh, walking, living by the standards of this world. And so Paul takes that accusation and he says, and he teaches them a lesson. He says, we walk in the flesh, that is true. But we battle the battle we fight is spiritual and not carnal, not fought with carnal weapons. We walk in the flesh, but we battle against spiritual things. And he insists here that the weapons that we are fighting with are mighty through God to cast down imaginations and proud thoughts. You know, those weapons of God, the power of Christ in our life to cast down those, those thoughts. And I, I know in the Christian's life, this, this thought, these thoughts that we think, it's a tough battle. It really is. And sometimes we hardly even know why we're thinking these thoughts. You know, we, we get something spurs our mind. 
And it, uh, we have these thoughts that are not godly, that are against the knowledge of God, against our better knowing what we're taught. And so tonight we want to look at where do these thoughts come from? And more than that, I want to present to you a way that we can battle against this, not with our own will, not with our own power, but with, with what the Scripture teaches, how we should fight against these bad thoughts that we have. Well, what is a thought? Have you ever thought about that? That's one of those things you think about long enough, it'll drive you funny. <laughs> what is a thought? It's the product of mental activity. Well, I might have told you that. That's what the dictionary says. That which one thinks, a body of thought, a single act or product of thinking, an idea or notion. And we know tonight that the thoughts happen in our mind. And the question that always comes to me is, what does the Bible talk about when it talks about the heart and the mind? We need, to, we need to somehow separate those two and understand what the Scripture says when it's talking about the heart versus the mind. In general, the heart refers to the part of us that controls the affections, the desires, the emotions, our hopes and our dreams, and other intangible parts of our being. So this is, our heart is the seat of our affection. It's where, it's where we, our emotions come from, our desires come from our heart. Now, I point to here, but... It's up here in the head as well. <laughs> it's up here. But there's, there's a difference here in what we're talking about. The mind is the part that controls intellect. It's the part that controls reason and logic and our thoughts. And so we have two different things here. The heart that's the seat of our affections, desires, emotions, and then our mind that controls our intellect and our reason and our logic and thoughts. And so I'm going I'm to draw a little diagram here to help us in this. I'll just lock these in here. All right. Now, I did not go to college and get a PhD in psychology. <laughs> this is not my own thinking. This is actually scriptural. Yes. Just move it up here. All right, there you go. Thanks, thanks for that. All right, thinking about the heart and the mind. And how does this little cycle work? To me, this, this really made it clear in my own mind when I started thinking about this. And we're going to use this later to learn about how we can control our thought life. But as you can see here, we have the heart, where the seat of our affections are. And our heart informs the mind as to what decisions it's going to make. Our mind is the decision-making part of us. And then we make a decision. We act on that decision. And then that decision affects our senses. We do things for a reason. <laughs> we do things to please ourselves, to please our senses. And then our senses, in turn, reinforce the affections and the desires of the heart. And I have a little object lesson here tonight. Maybe this will help. <clears throat> 
I had to bring one along because I wasn't sure you sold these in West Virginia and Virginia. <laughs> All right. What we have here is the best cake you can possibly get, okay? Triple chocolate. Chocolate cake, chocolate icing, and there's chocolate cream inside yet. That's the best kind of cake you can get. Now, you well know that in my heart, <laughs> I have a desire and affection for chocolate cake, okay? <laughs> that's, that's my favorite cake. So when I'm looking at this cake, or if my wife happens to be baking one in the kitchen, what's my heart telling my mind? What is my heart telling my mind? Well, my heart's telling my mind, I really like that chocolate cake. I mean, that is my favorite. And then my mind starts to think. What's my mind thinking? Well, how can I get some? How do I get there? How, how do I get the cake? And so, you know, I start thinking, well, if I take the cover off this cake, look at that beauty right there. Look at that. It's got chocolate chips. Look at that. <laughs> how many of you here don't like chocolate? <laughs> There's no hands. I was going to pick that person out and give it to him afterwards, but <laughs> there we go. Oh, listen to that. Look at that. Okay. Everybody's raising their hand now. My heart, my affections for chocolate cake inform my mind. My mind's making decisions. Take the cover off that cake. Grab a spoon or a fork. Let's get at it. Okay? That's the actions. We start eating that chocolate cake. And boy, is it ever good. It's good. <laughs> just reaffirms my love for chocolate cake. And I know that's a very basic and elementary illustration, but we need to think about this on another level. This is how we work. This is how we humans function. Our affections inform our mind. Our mind makes decisions. We act to please our senses, and our senses just reinforce what's in our heart. And it goes around and around. And so, I told you that it's not my own thinking. This is not some graph that I pulled out from some college professor or something like that. This is biblical. Listen to this. James 1, 14 to 16. But every man is tempted, his senses, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, the affections in his heart. Then when lust hath conceived in the mind, it bringeth forth sin, the actions. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brother. So tonight we're thinking about our thoughts, but tied in with that is temptation. Okay, Our thoughts and temptation. So it's a, it's a little bit of both tonight that we're looking at. You can also think about Eve in the Garden of Eden. When she saw with her eyes that the fruit was good and pleasant to be desired. That was in her heart, her affections, the desires. She thought about what she was going to do, and she took, and she ate. And the cycle just goes around and around. So we're going to use that later on to help us understand how we can control our thought life. Because there's a lot involved when it comes to our thoughts. Our thoughts are not independent. They're not an independent chamber in our brain that we can somehow just fix and it's, it's done. No, that's not the way it is tonight. Well, what does the Bible say about a man's thoughts? And I just want to look at a few verses. And if you want to do a word study tonight, look in Jeremiah, Isaiah. There are lots of verses in those two books of the Bible about our thoughts. 
And the prophets had a lot to say about it. We're going to read a few. He says in Jeremiah 4.14, O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thou vain thoughts lodge within thee? And another one in Jeremiah 7.24, But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart. And this is interesting. It says, and went backward and not forward. <laughs> Very profound. Of course, we have the, the one we know very well. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Another one in Psalm 10, verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Why? Because God is not in all his thoughts. That's why he won't seek after God. Proverbs 15, 26. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. Another verse we knew from a child up. The thought of foolishness is sin. The thought of foolishness is sin, Proverbs 24, 9. Isaiah 55, 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Isaiah 65, 2, I've spread out my hands all the day unto rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. And if you look back in Genesis 6 where he's describing the condition of the world we live in, what does he say? He says, God saw the wicked, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him out of his heart. Tonight, we live in the days of Noah where the thoughts and the imagination of man is continually evil. But what are we supposed to do about this? Jesus said also in Mark 7, 20, 23, and he said, that which cometh out of a man... That defileth a man, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. And in that list is evil thoughts. They come from within. Where do my thoughts come from? From within. You know, the Bible teaches many, many times the thoughts come from my heart, from the seat of my affection, my desire. That's where our thoughts are coming from. You know, in a couple more verses, Proverbs 6, 18, a, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. There it, it talks about the heart coming up with these things. Proverbs 23, 7, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Whatever you think, that's who you are. Have you ever thought about that? That your identity is your mind? That's who you are as a person? What you're thinking of? So when we look at Scripture, there's a very negative picture painted of the ungodly man and his thought life. And that we can deduct from Scripture and history that carnal men really do become evil geniuses. Have you heard of that term? <laughs> evil geniuses. And you look at people like Hitler and Stalin in secular history and the evil they committed, and we say, how could they do this? But they, they, their thoughts were evil. A carnal man left to himself becomes an evil genius. The Bible says their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. That describes those kind of people. Of course, there were plenty in the Bible times as well. You think of Herod as one of them. How could you kill the babies like he did in Jesus' day? How could you do that? Except that you're an evil man and your thoughts are evil. Thoughts of iniquity. Well, what sinful thoughts can we be guilty of tonight? Selfish thoughts, proud thoughts, angry thoughts, 
impure, immoral thoughts. And you know, we get caught in this cycle. And this cycle can bring us bondage. Without the help of Jesus Christ, we get caught in a cycle of impurity and immorality, and our thought life is just sucked into that. And we, we just keep going around and around. It becomes a stronghold. You know, the verses we talked about, casting down those strongholds in our life, everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, that cycle becomes a stronghold tonight. Has anyone ever offered you a penny for your thoughts? <laughs> That's a common thing. A penny for your thoughts. Well, none of us got rich over that. Um, you know, we don't like to share our thoughts, do we? We don't look a little bit about how we like to keep our thoughts secret. It's one of the things that we hold dear to us. You know, we can think about things and nobody really knows, you know. And we somehow treasure that. Now, why do we like that so much? But you know what? We talked about this before, I know, earlier this week. But there is one who can read your thoughts. God in heaven can see right through you. It's just as if he would write them right on the wall. And what if he really would? <laughs> you know, it's probably good that he doesn't. You know, sometimes we think things that shouldn't be spoken out loud or, or acted out. But our God knows our thoughts. He says in Isaiah 66, 18, For I know their works and their thoughts. Of course, we read in Psalm 139, Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Doesn't seem like God is here looking in my life, but He is. He understands our thoughts. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 talks about Him making manifest the counsels of the hearts. And the New Testament teaches that our thoughts are just as important as our actions. And this is, this is a serious, I guess you could say almost a doctrinal change from the Old Testament if I could say it that way. But Jesus taught in Matthew 5, You have heard that it has been said of them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. That is a change in, in law. That is a change. That's the new law we live by in the New Testament. Yes, in the Old Testament, the actions were wrong. They got punished. But Jesus is saying, if the heart and mind are gone there, you're, in, you're committing the same sin. And that is serious for us tonight. He talks about hating your brother. It's the same as murdering your brother. The same thing. Yes, the actions of murder, but Jesus is saying the heart and mind need to be right as well. <clears throat> well, we have the verses in Colossians 3, 5, and 6. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, that's in the heart, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Several of those sins I mentioned are thoughts that we have in the mind. You know, covetousness, that's in our mind, in our heart. What about bringing these thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ? That's what we want to learn tonight. How can we do this? If you're, if you're a person here tonight and you're struggling with your thought life, and if you're like me, see, it's easy to read scripture, it's easy to hear a preacher say these things, but how do I actually do it? What are some things that I can do to, to help this problem? And you know, many people today think it's not possible to have a pure thought life. They really, they really don't think. Every man, you know, every man, he's really inside. He's, he's just a dirty person. You know, what he's thinking, whatever, that's what they say. You might say that tonight. I can't control my thoughts. I can't control my feelings. You know, these pictures and words and situations flash in my mind, and it just Spurs my thought life. But I, I, 
I disagree. I think tonight we can control our thought life. It's going to be a battle. That's why Paul uses military metaphors or illustrations when he's talking about this, because it is a battle. This is not easy tonight. There's a few things that we will need to do to control our thought life tonight, and it applies to these things I've written up here. The first thing we need to do is change the heart. All right, we just make a big intersection across there, big X. If you want to stop your mind from thinking about evil thoughts, if you want to catch it before it gets there, you've got to change this. And if you change this heart, nothing will move on to your mind for you to think about. And I shouldn't say nothing, but it's a battle. But we need to change our hearts. The Bible says a heart is deceitfully wicked and needs to be changed. And there's really no other way to do this. If tonight you haven't surrendered to Jesus Christ, if you haven't let the Holy Spirit work in your life, I can testify personally that it is an uphill battle that you most likely will never win. Because it takes power more than what we have in our own lives to do this. The Bible talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's what the psalmist is pleading for. He said, I need a new heart. I need a new spirit so that I can change my life. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. There again, it's mentioning the heart. You see, tonight... If I had no desire for this chocolate cake, there would be no thoughts in my mind about getting a spoon or a fork and helping myself, okay? There's no desire. So our change of heart, the new birth experience, gives us a new desire for Jesus Christ, a new desire for purity, a new desire for morality in our life. And we get rid of the old man. We cast away those old desires. We crucify them. We mortify them. Without any desire, I won't take any action on that. Now I want to turn to Ephesians 4 tonight. You can turn there with me. Ephesians 4 describes this process better than probably what I can. Galatians, Ephesians 4. We're going to read verses 17 to 32. Talking about putting on the new man, he says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. How do they walk? In the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past filling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another." Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor 
and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And I want to look here at verses 17 and 18. He says, they're walking in the vanity of their mind. Be not as the Gentiles, because they're walking in the vanity of their mind. Now listen to this. It says, they have their understanding darkened. In other words, their mind, where their intellect is, it's darkened. And why is that? It says, because of the blindness of their heart. Because of their heart is why their mind is darkened. Then we want to look at verse 19. These are the actions that they have gone to. They, give them, they gave themselves ever unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. And then we have in 22 to 24, the conversion experience tonight, the changing of the heart. They put off the old conversation, the old man that was corrupt according to deceitful lust and were renewed in their spirit. That is the new birth. Put on the new man, which after God has created in righteousness. So tonight, if we want victory, we're going to have to change our hearts. Our hearts will need to be changed by Jesus Christ if we're going to have control over our thought life. 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Why are we concerned about our thought life tonight? It's because God has called us to holiness. And he's called us our thought life to holiness. That is why our heart is important tonight. If we have a holy heart, we'll have a holy mind. The Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it, are the issues of life. Out of it are the issues of life. So a change of heart is needed. And second thing here is control the mind. At every one of these, these stops we make along the way, there is an opportunity to stop. <laughs> I, I thought about that when I was drawing this up. Yes, if it gets through to our mind, we know this is a battle. Our heart is, we're still living humanity. So yes, we will have those thoughts. But the Bible talks about controlling our mind. And if the Bible says that it's possible, it's possible. Have you ever heard the little saying, a thought is just a thought and it can be changed? <laughs> Sounds like a really simplistic saying, a little bit of humanism in that. A thought is a thought, it can be changed. Well, it's true. The Bible tells us what to think about. So if the Bible tells us tonight what to think about, then it's true that we can control what we're thinking about. What does it say there in Philippians 4, 7, and 9? And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You know, there's a lot of things in this world we can think about. You know, the Bible talks about being wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. So what do you really need to think about tonight? Do we really need to seek out and understand and think about the wickedness in this world and the evil in this world? The answer is no. God says, think on these things, the truth, honesty, 
justice, purity, lovely, good report. Those are the things we're to be thinking on. So the answer tonight is, yes, we can control our mind. And how do you do that? Well, one of the ways we can do it is immerse our mind in the Word of God. That's how we think on these things. Where do we find the things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report? It's in the Scripture. And I think tonight, if you're struggling in your thought life, I don't think there's any greater sanctifying influence on your mind than Scripture. You need something to read? You need something to listen to? Listen to sermons. Listen to, you probably have Bible apps. I do. (laughs) And I listen to it. It sanctifies the mind. It helps your thought life. It's a mighty weapon against temptation. Remember there in Matthew 4, Jesus used the word of God against temptation. The devil came to him three times, and he said, it is written. It is written. If you're struggling in your thought life, come back to the Bible. It is written. We are told what to think on. And I believe tonight, if you read and you think on the word of God, it will change your life. It really will. Change your life for the good. Another suggestion for controlling our mind is prayer. And I know it was a key in my life as a young man, struggling with thoughts and language. Prayer was key. Prayer at all times of the day. You pray for victory. You praying directs your thoughts and your mind to Jesus Christ, to God. You can just simply pray. Lead, us not in, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. Tell the devil to go away. Jesus told his disciples, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why we need prayer in our lives. To change our minds, control our minds, what we're thinking about. If you have struggles tonight in your mind with your thought life, cry out to Jesus. We talked about crying out all day long. Doesn't mean you have to pray for 20 minutes, but he's there with you. His presence is with you, and you can call out to him. The third thing we can do tonight is commit your actions. And maybe I didn't spell that right. Yes, I did. Okay. Commit your actions. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible teaches this one as well in Proverbs 16.3. It's a very interesting work, word, uh, verse. It says, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. <laughs> we think reverse. You know, commit your thoughts, and then your actions shall be established. What does this verse say? Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. What can we do in our works, in our activity, in our day-to-day living, to establish your thought life? Think about that. I think we need to be careful what we do and where we go and what we see to control our thought life. That's what this verse is saying. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. What about our relationships tonight? What kind of relationships are you in? What kind of relationships do you enjoy? You know, when I was a teenager, I had to make some choices about relationships. You know, I went to church, but just because people go to church doesn't mean they're pure in their mind and in their thought life. And, you know, with a group, we had many young people. And I had a choice to either sign up with this young group of boys or this group of boys. And praise God, I I signed up with the right ones. Because when I look at where some of my friends are today, the choices had an effect. 
They didn't commit their works unto the Lord and their thoughts were not established. We have to be careful of the filthy talk, foolish talking, jesting. The Bible says, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners and also good thoughts. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Be careful of your relationships tonight. If you're going to establish your thought life, you're going to have to commit your relationships. Be committed to God in those relationships. How about our business tonight? Where does my business take me? Is it, is it helping me establish my thought life? I used to have a job before I did plastics. I did commercial upholstery. And we went into the big city a lot. That was pretty much all we did. And I was older. I mean, I was a teenager still at the time, I guess. But I wasn't such a young teenager. And there are places that you can't go. And there are things you cannot do in a city. Why? Because you need to establish your thought life. And they do not allow you to do that. And I remember I worked with another guy, and he was a Seventh-day Adventist, and he had some good morals to him. And he told the boss one day, he said, I'm not going there. He said, I can't work in there because of the pictures and whatever else we were seeing in the building. And I, I really admired him for that because I was younger. <laughs> I was a teenager at the time, and he took a stand for that. So where does my business take me? We need to be careful because committing... Your works unto the Lord will establish your thought life. And if we're involved in things that are questionable, we'll have trouble in our thought life. Because what we're saying here is our actions feed our senses. Our actions are pleasing these senses. And they're God-given senses tonight. But without control, they're in the hands of the devil. And that's what we need to think about tonight. What about our recreation are there places I should not go for recreation if I'm to control my thought life? You probably shouldn't go to the beach at the wrong time of the year. How can you do that? You know, we have, unfortunately, there's young people that do that. And I don't understand. If you're going to establish your thought life, if you're going to maintain purity in your mind, you can't go to the beach at the wrong time of the year with scantily clad people. people. Number one, you're not committing your actions to the Lord. <laughs> But number two, you're not going to establish a pure and moral thought life. Well, I had a whole list of them. Water parks, theme parks, where undress and immorality are on display all around. Now, we live in the world. Don't get me wrong. We live in the world. But we're not of the world. <laughs> There's a separation. And we need to guard against that. It's a, it's a very physical, practical way we can establish our thought life and gain victory over that. Well, how about entertainment tonight? How about our entertainment tonight? Am I being influenced by what I'm, watching or what I'm watching or listening to for entertainment? Does it stimulate good thoughts? Or does it stimulate shady thoughts? You know, or immoral thoughts? Impure? What are we watching? What are we listening to? You know, the internet has made that a lot, a lot worse these days. A lot worse. And television today is no different. The immorality and the impurity on television. How are we to expect young men and young women to think morally, to think pure thoughts when we consume these things into our lives and take them in? We have to commit our actions to the Lord to establish our thought life. And the last one tonight here is curb the senses. Curb the senses. We don't use that word curb a lot, but I needed a C word. <laughs> curb the senses tonight. 
What do we mean by curbing the senses? Curbing our senses silences the affections and desires of the heart. It starves them to death. You know, your heart is saying, I love this chocolate cake. I just love this chocolate cake. You know, and if I made it all around here, I've grabbed a spoon and a fork, and I'm, I'm dipping into this, you know. I could have two options. I could eat this whole cake in one setting, or I could eat a reasonable-sized piece. You know what I'm saying? By curbing our senses. <laughs> you know, we need to do that in life, and I think sometimes we're too hesitant to do that. Romans 13, 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh the seed of my affections and desires, to fulfill the lust thereof. And we need to do that tonight as a church. We need to do it collectively as a body. We need to do it individually as Christians to make not provision for the flesh. And how do we do that? Well, we need to avoid sensuality. That's, that's our senses going wild. That's sensuality. And this world is all about sensuality. It hypes up everything to please the senses. You know, th thinking about entertainment, we talked about that a little bit. I'm told that some of these, these movies have a 100 to 1 shooting ratio. And that simply means if they shot 100 hours of footage, it's condensed down to one hour. What does that mean? It means that the frames that are flashing across that screen are just slamming you with dopamine right and left. Action scenes from one screen to the next. You've, you've seen it. You know, they take out 99 hours of real reality. <laughs> and put it all in one. That is sensuality. That is pleasing to the senses. Our mind loves that and feeds on that, but we are to avoid sensuality. Well, what about our eyes? Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? We need to make a covenant with our eyes, what we're looking at. You know, there's things we can look at that please us, please our flesh, but we have to curb that. Matthew 6, and 23 says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, there he is, he's curbing his eyes, okay? Singularity in his eye. Thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is thy darkness. And so we get by implication here that being that your eye is single, you're filled with light. You're controlling your senses. But on the other hand, if you have wandering eyes, the body shall be full of darkness. Maybe I'm taking that out of context. <laughs> well, let's think about what we see. Let's think about what we hear. Sometimes we enjoy hearing things that we shouldn't hear. And whatever that might be as a young person, think about that. What are you listening to? What are the songs saying that you're listening to? You know, how is country music? <laughs> Sensuality? Some of it's not as bad as others, but there's a lot of it. It talks about the brokenness of humanity and the sin that's in the world. It makes a joke out of it. A lot of times, sensuality, curbing your senses. We need to say no. We need to make not provision for the flesh. And of course, there's many other things that we could think about. But I want to close early tonight, so let's bring it to a close here. Bringing these thoughts into captivity, coming back to what Paul was writing there. And again, he makes, a, he makes a military application, you might say, here. It's not easy. Bringing our thoughts into captivity, doing these things, allowing the Lord Jesus to change your heart, controlling your mind, committing your actions to the Lord, and curbing your senses is something that's beyond us in our human element to do. We need Jesus Christ and his power to do it. 
Armies don't take prisoners easily, and our thoughts are no different. He's talking about taking our thoughts captive and bringing them into obedience to another kingdom. (laughs) Jesus Christ has taken over. Those thoughts that belong to Satan and his kingdom are brought into obedience to the kingdom of Christ. And that's where we want to be tonight. And there's three promises in Scripture that I want to leave you with, and I think will help you in your thought life. And the first one is a promise of power. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but it's such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. My friends, tonight, that is power. That is power in your life. If you think that it's impossible, that's not the case. God is faithful. Second promise is of grace. Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what you're doing when you're crying out to Jesus through the day. Lord, help me in my thought life. You're approaching the throne of grace boldly. Third promise is wisdom. James 1.5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. God promises tonight, that out of a sincere desire to follow him, he will not deny our request. Do we believe that? If we ask God tonight for wisdom in committing our actions, wisdom in curbing our senses, he will grant that request to us. Why? Because he desires a righteous man. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in the heart, for they shall see God. Do we want to see God tonight? How is our thought life? And I guess I'll just open it up for testimonies before we have prayer here. I'm not going to give an invitation, but whatever the Lord has on your heart. Maybe you have some tips and tricks to controlling your own thought life. Feel free to share.